0: This episode is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash afblues.
1: You're listening to the Action Figure Blues podcast, episode number 310, for the week of Wednesday, the 7th of February 2018. I'm Ben, and with me tonight are... Adam and Eddie. This episode is brought to you by Audible, Gamefly, and ActionFigureBlues.com. Tonight, our toys of the week are the Comic Cave Studios Iron Man 3 Igor action figure, Hasbro Transformers Power of the Primes Prime Masters, and the Bandai Robot Spirits AV Type Zero. Greetings gentlemen, welcome back, nice to have you aboard
2: Thank you Thank you, that's sweet
1: (laughs) It is, I miss Mm -hmm. you guys, I enjoy this part of my week and uh, speaking of enjoying things, uh, Eddie, you uh, came into some filthy lucre, I believe.
2: Yeah, I got some mad Skrilla today, which uh, was unexpected. That, By the way, is my new favourite word for money. Uh, I have picked it up. I have been using it very frequently this week, if anyone's confused. But it's it's going to be a thing, just humour me. Uh, But yeah, I uh, did my weekly Wednesday warrior duties and popped into my comic book store, where uh, I'm quite lucky my comic store is fairly large. It's got two levels, and I was told by one of the managers to head up to the second level, which is more the sort of trades and toys section, and I've got sort of something waiting for me, which uh, took me a bit by surprise. I headed up there, and it turned out years ago, when the store was actually in another location entirely, uh, I was actually selling off some of my toys through their uh, vintage toy cabinet. And I had assumed at some point that everything I had in there had just sort of sold off. I just had random bits and pieces. I wasn't really keeping track of it. And it turns out I still had a box of items uh, that they had... Uh, turned up out the back and had just put out in the case and started (laughs) selling again. And that uh, meant that I walked into a bit of money that I had no idea was in there waiting for me at my comic store. So I walked out with uh, my comics, uh, some Funko stuff, and uh, quite happily a... Older Marvel Legends, uh, Doctor Doom from the Fantastic Four, Ronan the Accuser Wave that I had been keeping my eye on. I didn't pick him up originally because I really liked the Toy Biz version from Series 2. But now I've sort of started to think of Toy Biz and Hasbro as sort of almost being two separate lines and error. Yeah. Uh, I have been a bit disappointed not to have a Doctor Doom on my Hasbro shelf and uh, I didn't pick this guy initially it was a little bit out of the range that I wanted to pay but uh, considering this was kind of free money that I walked into, uh, I just turned it around and put it back on the counter and uh, spread it through. So it's a, <laughs> a rarer figure I've been wanting that I managed to just walk out of the store, basically, uh, for free with with some comics. So that was a very pleasant surprise to my afternoon.
1: Nice. Cool. Oh, nice. I like that indeed. What about you, Mr. Adam? Any uh, unexpected acquisitions?
3: Uh, somewhat, which is mainly because I... Um, I forgot that I'd pre-ordered it um, and I apparently can go pick it up from the post office tomorrow. I pre-ordered um, some time back the um, Patlabor AV Ingram third unit uh, through Nippon Yasan. Completely forgot about it. I was looking at it, I think, about two weeks ago on um, Big Bad Toys and going, ah, oh, that's available. I wonder if I should get that. I'm like, I mm, probably don't need it. I'm probably good now. And then I get an email. Like Friday or so last week, going oh yeah, this um, it's uh, it's shipping for you. I'm like, okay, I must have ordered that at some point. Well done, me. <laughs> uh, good work, past Adam. Oh, yeah, nice. exactly. So sometimes he does the right thing. Yeah,
1: very good. Hmm. What about, about
3: yourself,
1: you, Ben? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I've had a, a, a bit of a bit of a win this week. I. Uh, I got a message from Scotty, who <laughs> he sent me the screenshot of a guy selling a couple of statues, um, and said, "Hey, thought I'd send you this um, because I know you've been banned from that group." <laughs> <So>. <laughs> 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 so, uh, as it turns out, it was the uh, it was on the the Australian toy um, Facebook page, the famous one that I got. Banned from for pointing out to a, a guy that the Hulk isn't 12 feet tall. Um, and quite <coughs> innocently, I thought I just linked him to the Marvel Wiki, and I thought that was, <laughs> oh, that was a fairly legit thing to do, but he obviously took offense and, you know, being an admin and, you know, that makes him a pretty important person in the world. So, um, anyway, uh, long, long story short, uh, he was actually selling the Kotabukia, uh, um, uh danger room fine arts rogue statue which uh, i have been coveting for a little while now and my zing actually had one for a little while that was a pretty decent price and I, i don't know for some reason i just um and then it went and then i started watching them on ebay and went oh i missed out on a bit of a bargain um and yeah this one ended up being even considerably even cheaper than that so Um, Yeah, quite pleased to add her to my Rogue collection. So, And, yeah, the other score I had, which was uh, more comic-related, is um, I've actually been enjoying reading a lot of comics on the tablet. And, of course, because of methods of acquisition, it means I can read a lot of comics that would normally be out of my uh, price range because of um, their their scarcity and age. Um, And I've been reading a lot of the EC... um, stuff from the 50s and the Warren um, eerie and creepy stuff from the 60s. And um, being a fan of people like Johnny Craig, um, from you know, when he did his Iron Man stuff at Marvel, um, I innocently put up a, a wanted, you know, anyone selling any of the EC hardcovers and a, a guy contacted me and said, oh, I've got a bunch here that are all artist-specific, which um, Fantagraphics did um, some years ago. And so instead of having to instead of reprinting them like Tales from the Crypt 1 to 6, you've got this big honking hardcover that's just all Joe Orlando's sci-fi stuff and all Jack Kamen's stuff and um, all Johnny Craig's stuff and all Al Feldstein's stuff and, um, you know, really, really enjoying it. And uh, the guy said, yeah, I've got like about 12 of them um, and I'm just trying to get rid of them. And, of course, I thought, oh, these are those really expensive, you know, 30-plus dollar, you know, 30 US dollar hardcovers. And he said, oh, I'll just make them 15 bucks each. So, booyah! So, so, what about if I I take them all? Anyway, i then I'll pay for postage. So, so that was a uh, a very welcome gift from the courier. I have to say, and I've been getting into them. I've already read one and a half, and thoroughly enjoying them. So, it's kind of nice being able to sort of finally read some of the very famous stories that I, I hadn't actually um, yeah been able to read before. So, good week, very good week, yeah. I means this week's probably going to be a bit of a downer in comparison. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that means uh, we can still talk about uh, our acquisitions, and we've all got something pretty different this week, so I think we should probably get on with it. Right. Let's.
2: What's that? Digimon, digital
0: monsters, Digimon have more power. Digimon Digimon, Digimon Master, Rurumon, Greymon, Digimon, Grow! The Digimon adventure continues with Digimon action figures, trading cards too. Digimon, each sold separately from Bandai.
2: Now it's time for our feature segment, Toy of the Week. Each episode we take turns looking at one toy or collectible in detail. These might be new releases, or we might talk about a favourite or bizarre item from our collection. This week, Ben has our first Toy of the Week, so over to you, Ben. Well, thank you very much,
1: sir. Um, Yeah, I'm pretty fortunate to have, uh, I think, pretty much a complete collection of Marvel Legends, except for those really odd things like Blue Wasp and uh, whatnot. Um, And a couple of years ago, I had that weird revelation that everyone else had already had, but I was just really, really slow um, when I was going through tubs of... Um, undisplayed Marvel legends uh, in my garage and was noting all the different Iron Man figures that I had. And um, having my Iron Man of choice in my Avengers um, display, uh, it dawned on me that if I did a bit of shuffling and rearranging, I could actually free up a, a shelf um, in my... So i got these white laminate bookcases and I could free up a shelf and create an Iron Man armory. So Um, I had a bit of fun sort of digging out every Iron Man figure that I had and turns out I had more than I thought. And yeah, so I've actually got an Iron Man display now and I'm quite enjoying it because it's a bit of a, bit of a different, um, different take on what I've been displaying in the past. So, um, I I realized I was missing a couple of Iron Mans. So I was sort of hunting around on eBay, having a bit of a look, uh, deciding, you know, whether it was worth picking them up or not. And, um, I actually came across the Comic Cave Studios. Uh, Igor um, Action figure And uh, this is of course the big Blue guy from Iron Man 3 um, From the house party Protocol etc And uh, I hadn't really heard of Comic Cave Studios And I had a bit of a hunt around and they've done a couple Of other Iron Man figures and I think they they tend to sort of aim for a Slightly bigger um, Scale than Marvel Legends Though I've actually had a look at a couple of figures And I think they're very very close So, of course, Igor is the the giant blue armored dude, the the sort of the heavy lifting, you know, almost like a forklift kind of guy. And, uh, Comic Cave stuff tends to be a bit more high end, um, die cast parts and, and that sort of thing. And so, um, I started having a bit of a hunt around on eBay and I managed to pick one of these guys up for about, um, US $120. Now, they've been out for a while. They came out in 2016. Um, this was a late 2017 acquisition. For me, and uh, yeah, kind of glad that I, I picked him up now because, um, you know, obviously having something that's just slightly different to everybody else uh, in your collection um, you know, just makes for a, a bit of a standout. So, this guy is um, an 8 inch action figure. He's pretty much in scale uh, in terms of height wise with the Hulkbuster. Buster. So that's sort of nice to know. He's about seventeen and a half centimeters tall um he is very imposing in terms because his knees are actually bent um you know almost as if hey, you know don't forget straight back, bend your knees when you pick stuff up um. <laughs> So I think if you could really extend those legs out straight, he'd actually be um, that much bigger than the Hulkbuster. So, um, yeah, he's definitely – I'd probably have to say he's the biggest of the Iron Man armors. Um So he looks quite imposing. Um, now, in terms of packaging, um, look, you know, I was actually thinking when, when I was getting ready for the segment, and I thought, oh, the, the packaging is actually kind of, yeah, you know, it's not particularly exciting. And then I thought to myself, gosh, I say that a lot. Um, packaging just doesn't seem to excite me. That much, and I thought, well, what is exciting packaging? What do I what do I look for in packaging? I mean, the Star Wars black stuff from Hasbro is pretty dull, um, you know. The Marvel Legends stuff's pretty dull. But then I did rave about the the Figure Arts um, Chun Li um, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, so anyway, look, this is um, pretty much just a, a fifth panel uh, box. The image on the front is Eagle, but um, it's it's very generic. It looks like it's a like an artistic interpretation. It's not control art. It's not photos of the actual figure Um, it's a very dark blue box Uh, most of the writing is actually done in like a metallic silver so it actually sort of gives it that I guess that high end appearance of it sitting on the shelf which I guess you know is actually not a bad thing given that it's a a die cast figure so you open that flap up there's a great big 38 indicating the model number of the armour and then of course you know you can see through the the plastic panels so your usual plastic tray that you get where you've got the outer shell sits over the top of that lower shell that I'm not a, a huge fan on because, fan of because you've got to sort of press it down To hold any accessories in place But look, it opens up fairly easily um, On the back, you know There's a, a bit of a, a blueprint type thing It looks like a, like a deliberately 3D Sort of rendered um, Close-up of Igor And then there's some writing But there's really not a lot There's a, a few bits and pieces on the bottom But most of it is actually in uh, Chinese There's, you know, plenty of trademarks And that sort of stuff but uh, it doesn't actually give me a, a whole lot of information about Comic Caves. So I went to their website, and that didn't really help either. All I saw was uh, a lot of typos uh, on their website. So, But, um, look, it is a reasonably sized box because it's a big figure, but it's actually quite compact. There's not a lot of wastage going on um, like you get with something like you know the Diamond Select. So, um, you know, good effort for, for them to sort of get him packed in there. Uh, in terms of sculpt, uh, really no complaints whatsoever. They've nailed it. They they do actually have – there's a blurb where they go on about um, the fact that they have actually used the, uh, the modelling dimensions from um, the original um, 3D, you know, information, whatever you want to call it, when they actually did the film, um, much the, the way they've used blueprints and things in the past or the original props to make moulds. So um, they make a big announcement about that. Um, So, you know, it looks like Igor, in the past I've been extremely critical of the Hot Toys, Iron Man figures, the fact that they were cranking out these, um, you know, these 1-6 scale figures for hundreds of dollars based on armors that appeared um, for, you know, seven seconds and, you know, I go and buy a a 6-inch scale one for, you know, about half the cost for half the sized figure. so um, I guess that makes me a bit of a uh, hypocrite, but... Um, so they, they claim that this guy is 75% die cast. Um, I actually don't have a lot of die cast figures. So I'm, I sort of spent a lot of time with this guy in my hand going, um, you know, tap, 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 tap to try and work out what's metal and, and what's plastic and, uh, some of it is actually quite logical. So his, the the main piece that makes up his arms are uh, metal, but then the pauldron that sort of sits at the top of the arm over the shoulder is actually plastic, and given that there's a lot of movement with it, you know, that, that kind of makes sense. And you sort of go, oh, okay, I can see what they did there. You know, you tap the main torso, and it's obviously die-cast, which is actually a big component of the figure. But then I actually tap the, um, I guess, you know, his iron undies, his groin area, yet yeah, that's plastic. <laughs> so I'm kinda I'm kinda trying to work out why that would be plastic and not, you know, die cast. Um so hey, you know, guys, chime in if you've got any thoughts. But um, you know, look some of the components that there doesn't seem to be sort of a rhyme or a reason as to why um yeah, why that's the case. So but um look there's some, you know, plenty of groovy stuff. You can I mean this is a hefty figure. He's seven hundred and seventy grams, which I think is something like one point seven pounds um or 20 23 ounces or something like that so uh you know he he feels like you know you're getting your money's worth he's a big chunky heavy figure um in fact for for the size i can't think of a, a sort of a size to to weight ratio figure that's um, heavier than this guy So they've done a really, really good job there So no complaints, I think uh, In terms of the sculpt, you know When you're, when you're taking the original source material it's, it's pretty hard to sort of go wrong there So uh, kudos to them in, in that department So moving on To the paint And uh, look, I actually think they've done a, a cracking job with, with this guy because um, I think the source material has Igor looking, you know, pretty beat up or, or worn, um, and I think they've done a good job. And because, uh, I mean, I don't know, I, I think metal just holds paint so much better than plastic does, so the blue is a really, really rich Blue and it's it, the, the metal parts Just look absolutely fantastic but As I just said sometimes it's hard to tell what's Plastic and, and what's metal so I think they've done A, a really good job um, In sort of blending the two with the paint there So there's a, a few other bits and pieces There's obviously some silver components But I think the the major one For this one is on a lot of the edges There's um, wear and tear so um, I, I don't know whether They tried to make it look like rust which would Kind of seem a bit odd um, I suppose, you know, iron does rust. Anyway, um, yeah, I think it's just wear and tear from all the heavy lifting. And they've used some really good combinations of that rust colour and the silver. And so it it really does look like paint has actually worn off just from heavy use, uh, which is actually really cool. And then topping that off is uh, a bit of a black wash in all the crevices to really sort of separate out those panels and and bring definition to it. So, uh, no complaints at all for the paint. I think there's a, a, there's no bleed of any kind. And I think once you're starting to pay this kind of money, you know, they really do step it up a bit. So your expectations are fairly high and, and might've been met quite well with this. So, um, really, really quite impressed. Uh, moving on from paint and articulation is, (laughs) it's an interesting one. Um, they claim that there's 60 points of articulation, and my thought was get out of town. Um, I'm not quite sure how they get to that, uh, but once you start kind of rattling it off, it, it it does actually start to add up pretty quick. So, I mean, you've obviously got things like you've got double-jointed elbows and knees, which is actually quite remarkable on a, a figure of this bulk. Um, you've got the ball-jointed neck ball-jointed wrists and and the groin as well. Um, You've got ball-jointed ankles. And you've got, because, yeah, here we go. Here's some some action figure talk. You've got those kind of sleeves that sit very low on the legs, over the feet, um, almost like a protective sort of mechanism. And so that actually impedes a little bit on the ability to move that ankle. So the whole thing actually pulls out slightly. You know, we've talked about this kind of mechanism with things like the butterfly joints in um, the shoulder joints in Marvel legends that just sort of give you that extra movement. So the good thing is when you do actually want to move this guy's foot, you can actually sort of grab hold of that foot and you gently pull it out and it extends out a little bit. And that actually gives you an extra range of movement. So really quite clever. Yeah. I mean, given that this is not the sort of thing that has any impact on the film whatsoever, they've obviously gone above and beyond to think about, how to bring this guy to life i mean obviously he's very he's very toyetic in terms of his appearance like he looks fantastic but being action figure etic um you know is is a whole different ball game because you've got a very sort of large bulky kind of guy so i mean posability is not that crash hot but where the rest of that articulation comes in sort of beyond the normal stuff is he's got the um that kind of Iron Man spine down the back and all the little flaps open up. So you get a whole bunch of articulation there. He comes with six hands. Uh, He has fists. He has what they are calling semi-clenched hands, almost as if you could put something in there like a, you know, a gun holding hand. But then he's actually got a set of hands, which I thought were really quite clever. And they've actually got articulated fingers and each finger has one, two, three points of articulation times five. So you're looking at 15 points of articulation plus the, the ball-jointed wrist. So you can see why it really, really starts to, to add up in the um, yeah, in the, the articulation stakes. Despite the 60 points of articulation, he's actually a little limited in what he can do here and there. Like um, I'm really quite surprised just how far those double-jointed knees go, but, you know, you're certainly not going to get any awesome iron fist kung fu poses uh, out Mm. of this guy. I think you're going to get him in that standard kind of squatting, you know, almost like a defensive linesman, you know, pose and and leave it at that. Um, So, look, you know, pretty good all things considered. Uh, In terms of um, accessories, this guy does actually have a light-up chest and light-up eyes, now, it's just occurred to me that when I turn mine on, um, his chest lights up, but his eyes don't. So I uh, I need to go and have a look at the little instruction manual to find out perhaps if he's, his head opens up somewhere to sort of, you know, activate the mechanism for the eyes. But the switch is one of the tiniest I've ever seen, and it's actually positioned um, at his sort of upper back. So it, it's hidden from view when you're looking at him from the front. But it's a tiny, tiny little switch that I'm almost worried mm-hmm. that I'm going to break. Um, the light's actually quite dull uh, it's not terribly exciting. I think if you remember my egg attack iron floating Iron Man review um, when you turn him on you know you've got to be wary that planes don't sort of start trying to land in your yard because it's uh, it's just that bright. Um, this is actually quite the opposite in fact um, you know once you've had a bit of a play with it, you know it wears off quite quickly. Um so that's uh that's you know there's the six hands all together plus the figure that lights up. There's a few bits and pieces. Oh I forgot to mention that the he has those um, loading forks under his forearms. And obviously they're they're like a forklift mechanism, so you you unfold these forks and then the whole thing sort of slides out and I, I guess that gives him that ability to scoop something up and then hold it with his hands. Um, you know, it's a it's a fairly I don't know, it's a fairly kind of dull concept really i think rather than having fists you'd be better off just having a couple of big you know power loader hands you know like we saw in aliens um so yeah it doesn't really do a lot for me i just kind of fold them away but you know that gives you a, a couple of extra points of articulation as well um and really finishing that off it's i, I guess for this guy it's really the the fine the little touches that are, i think you know um do a lot for me like there's a lot of little writing about Stark Enterprises and stuff on the inside of the left and right arms, just sort of in that forearm area where it's got model numbers and, you know, um, you know, don't touch this type panels and warnings and, and that sort of thing that um, actually look pretty groovy. And I think it's a bit of a shame it's on the inside of the forearm. Otherwise, um, you know, being a bit more visible would just, you know, make it, uh, you know, that much cooler. So overall, look, oh, this is a really fun figure. Um, I, I think it really stands out in, the, uh, you know, on the shelf, and uh, I'm glad I've got him. So uh, I'm probably going to finish this one off and give him maybe eight and a half out of ten dollars Cool.
2: You oh, know, uh, have they made any other Iron Man ones that you're now looking at as potentially adding to your hall of armor? <laughs>
1: uh, yes, actually. Uh, now that you mention it, I was actually having a look, and uh, shotgun. Um, is is getting around, and I think Shades was the other one that was also getting around by Comic Cave. All diecast figures. Um, I did pick up a Midas one that is made by Dragon, um, and that should have been the biggest warning sign. Um, you know, Dragon pretty much makes shit. Um, and I was actually going to review him. I was going to review him on the show, but I, I detest the figure so much that it could be my lowest rating ever. Um, so I'll have to sort of see how I go Maybe when I'm, I'm stuck with something to review But I mean look he's, he's in scale So you know Midas just went into the armory as well Looks good because you know he's bright gold But beyond that Yeah he's not that good So over time I'll keep an eye out And uh, yeah yeah, just keep going Cool
2: Very nice Alright so uh, if that's uh, Pretty much it we'll uh, wrap things Up here and we'll be back shortly With our next toy of the week It's the
0: Fembot, new from Kenner and Jamie Summers, the bionic woman, sold separately. I'm Jamie Summers. Oh, no, you're not. I am. You're a Fembot. Your paralyzer gave you away. She's a masked me. Now I have to disguise myself as a mystery baby. No one will recognize me. Not even Jamie. (laughs) Ha ha! Fembot comes with everything seen here. Jamie Summers, the bionic woman, sold separately. Well, welcome back, dear listener.
1: It is time for our second Toy of the Week, and Eddie is going to keep his Hasbro streak going,
2: and uh, over to you. Yeah, I didn't even think about that, but I have been a bit of a Hasbro apologist recently (laughs) uh, with my reviews, but uh, mixing it up yet again, uh, and I am going to be talking about the latest chapter in the Prime Wars. So for those of you who haven't heard me talk about this, On other episodes, Uh, the Prime Wars is kind of the theme that's been running through the Transformers classics line, which is known as Generations, the last couple of years. The first of the trilogy was Combiner Wars. Uh, Recently we had Titans Return. And now we have Power of the Primes. And Power of the Primes is kind of a slight mix of Titans Return and Combiner Wars uh, with a little bit of change. And the main part of it, uh, they're kind of amping up this time around is uh, sort of if you know the Matrix of Leadership from the Transformers 80s cartoon and has been a big part of the other sort of pop culture media around Transformers uh, what you can kind of do is get a Matrix of Leadership holder but that central sort of circle piece you can swap out with other pieces of uh, the 13 Primes which in uh, Transformers mythology there was sort of like a council of original Prime's uh, that sat around so they are releasing the primes as these little prime masters uh, that are the pretty much the exact same style of molds as the headmasters from titan's return that would collapse up and make a head uh, these guys do the exact same transformation but collapse and make sort of a central piece uh, to a matrix holder And for that, they are releasing the 13 Primes as these little Prime Master's that come with these tiny versions of pretender shells <laughs> so to get uh, even deeper into transformer law uh, towards the end <laughs> of generation one uh, there was a line of transformers known as pretenders and basically what these were uh, were transformers that would hide inside of clipped together shells that made uh, very unarticulated action figures <laughs> and <laughs> Basically, the only articulation you would have on these action figures is uh swivels on the arm. Sometimes you get say a removable helmet or uh, maybe a little other piece that would move, but basically it was just swivels on the arm. so they're sort of paying homage to that with uh, these toys, which are the smaller end of the price point so uh they cost about ten dollars each Australian. Uh, to pick up, and you get a Pretender shell and a little Prime Master to go inside. And we have seen the release of the first wave of these. Now, in America, they came out just towards the tail end of 2016, and they've just started hitting stores here in Australia within the last couple of weeks. And the first wave of the Prime Masters uh, includes Liege Maximo, Micronus and Vector Prime, but naming these guys it does get a little bit confusing uh, because they are based off the pretender figures uh from the past. So Liege Maximo is actually Skullgrin and uh so Liege Maximo as a prime is kind of the satanic uh evil. Prime, Uh, he's also in certain media been very much like a Loki uh, figure Uh, and he's sort of one of the bad Primes Uh, Skullgrin himself is uh, a bit weirder he's kind of more like a Jekyll and Hyde where the transformer that hidden side of him is actually sort of very cold and calculating and an evil uh but intelligent Decepticon whereas when he put on his pretender armor he'd become sort of this big snarling beast guy Outburst and Micronus so Micronus is the Prime of Minicons which are kind of the real tiny small cheap Transformers that you would get and he sort of played the part of a Prime as kind of a spirit guide kind of like a Yoda like character and his pretender that he comes attached with is Cloudburst and Cloudburst is very much a sort of Spider-Man Peter Parker type guy where the Transformer who hides inside of him is very sort of quiet and meek uh, but once he puts on his pretender armor he becomes uh, very jovial and confident and uh, very willing to charge into battle and then the last one is Vector Prime and Metalhawk so Vector Prime is kind of like a, a super old Prime who kind of has this ability of time travel uh, he's very noble, he's kind of like a Time Lord from Doctor Who, uh, if, if that helps. Generally he's often depicted uh, in illustrations as a Transformer of having sort of all uh, old clockwork gear pieces. around him uh, Mm then sort of more steampunky than modern technology and uh metal hawk the pretender he comes with is actually a very interesting character in transformer mythos he was originally sort of the leader of the pretenders in the g1 continuity but in the recent idw continuity we found out uh, at the end of the Decepticon Autobot War that most of the Cybertronians were actually hiding off-planet and they didn't take part in the war at all. And they're known as NAILS, which is a non-aligned intelligent life form. So they were Cybertronians that didn't take allegiance to either Autobots or Decepticons and they're basically the civilians and they start returning to Cybertron when the war ended, and it starts the book basically it's really weird. they turned Transformers into a political drama book, and Metal Hawk basically became the leader of the Nails, so he was the guy speaking for sort of all the civilian transformers and uh in a way is. Uh, he's not quite a villain, but he's an antagonist to, uh, the (laughs) lead characters in the book because he's often, you know, raising concerns and putting them down for being warlike and uh, often causes a lot of political and, uh, debate trouble. Uh, for them he's very powerful at rallying people uh, around him particularly those before a vote or ones like that so not much uh in terms of battle strategy but a, a very interesting character in the stories so the actual pretender shells that these prime masters come with all share sort of the exact same design where you have swivel arms they have a front casing Uh, that sort of folds in and out Uh, there is a spot on the inside in which you can put your prime master in so when you fold the case back up their uh, little face does appear often within the little helmet window or you can see through the visor eye cracks and on the back you do have storage in which the uh, weapon for the pretender can click in and fold in and out from or they can hold it in their hands and what you can actually do the pretender shells transform into weapons uh, for your other transformers uh, to hold so it comes with the five millimeter plug sort of handle and pretty much any modern transformer will be able to pick up these and hold on to them. They do also have a spot cool. on the back for when you fold the uh, little Prime Master into the sort of Matrix Prime Square that you can plug them into. Sort of, it's meant to give each different weapon sort of different powers, but uh, really it doesn't do any of that. There's no light features or anything like that that changes. It's just a little different symbol that comes through now the prime masters themselves the little robots as i mentioned they're the exact same sculpting that you do find uh, on the uh, headmasters from titan return so you've got swivels on the arms you've got sort of a ball jointed head and the legs you've got two joint they fold at the thighs and the knees but they're locked together so you can't move the legs separately apart from Uh, one another and they collapse into the little square leadership head now what's really cool is at least at the moment over the three uh, prime masters here they all have completely unique sculpting Uh, each piece is newly designed even though they sort of share the same engineering uh, every piece is uniquely designed uh, for their feature and the little robots that the Prime Masters turn into are actually based off the robot molds from the Pretenders on the G1 ones that would be on the inside there. So if you don't want to think of them as Primes, uh, you can very easily just think of them as updates to the Pretenders that just don't turn into the vehicles that the G1 ones used to turn into. Now when you actually collapse them into their sort of matrix square most of them actually have symbols on the inside but the symbols have been designed uh, for the most part to actually kind of look like faces as well and because the heads share the exact same Titan Master connector joint you can also plug these prime masters into the head sockets of your titan uh return deluxes and uh voyages and create new heads for those guys as well that uh particularly the liege, liege maximo one looks like a little bit of a devilish face so he works really well uh the only one that doesn't is vector prime he's got a little bit of a weird uh astrology symbol that really does not look like a face uh, at all unfortunately but there is a little bit of a gear design that's hard to make out in photos but once you have it in hand it sort of runs around the side it almost looks like a clock in a way so it is very cool to see that they are basing the designs very much on the personalities uh, of the primes here as well which is a very nice little touch uh, that goes into it In terms of paint, these guys are actually very heavily painted for Transformers. Transformers are usually lacking quite a bit in paint. They usually just mould the different uh, parts of them in different plastics uh, because they usually have so many features. The really impressive part on the paint though, which to be honest isn't that grand, it is kind of basically applied onto the toy. It's not a lot of slop or anything like that but it hasn't been given super love or attention in sort of the tight pieces but uh what's amazing is the actual color choices so an example here is liege Le- maximo uh, the skull grin one the gray on his chest is actually just painted on the base coating Uh, for his fold-out section is the purple colour that his arms is. But the grey that's painted over the top of that matches perfectly with his back section, which is just a solid grey plastic. Uh, So where they've painted, they've managed to match that paint with the solid plastic pieces just perfectly, uh, even when painted over the top. So uh, hopefully if Hasbro's learning this lesson, they can take that across to uh the marvel legends line as well when they have to paint over <laughs> other little sections through there uh now i haven't mentioned uh what they actually weapons they turn into so skull Green turns into sort of a three-bladed wolverine type claw uh cloudburst turns into sort of a double barreled uh chain gun uh old painless style and uh Metal Hawk turns into just basically a large blaster cannon uh, through there. Uh, now one part of them that I don't have to try out is the actual matrix pieces. I am waiting for the rest of my Power of the Primes uh first wave I do have on order through an online retailer i only pick these ones up at retail because they cost the exact same as retail if i ordered them online but uh the rest is much cheaper (laughs) to order through a retailer than pick up at the store by huge amounts the new uh, store retail on these guys has pretty much almost doubled uh versus online so i don't have the matrix casing that comes with the Optimus or Rodimus toy uh, to try sliding these guys into to see how they look uh, once they are in those matrix cases. Uh, But what is cool is if you do slide it in one of those matrix cases, you can apparently, say, put it in the chest of Optimus Prime where he keeps the matrix of leadership and uh, same with Rodimus and the other leaders that are going to be coming out with And another one that they had with that design in mind is there was an overlord figure towards the end of Titan's Return who's a very big bad. He's up there with Megatron and he actually had two spots in his chest that people were sort of wondering because you could put sort of heads in there and they just thought, oh, it's a bit weird to put heads in this guy's chest but it's actually to put the power of the primes in as if he's gathering power up himself so uh it is an interesting little play feature that they've added uh into these guys i'm not a hundred percent sure how i feel about it i've convinced myself that i'm going to be getting all 13 primes just to sort of uh as a bit of a mini collectible uh one to go with uh i i kind of wish they just i was really enjoying titan's returns i kind of wish that they kept continuing with that which in a way they kind of have so i can't complain but uh, i do wish they all kind of had a head design to their symbol coming through Uh, and one other cool little thing i didn't mention is on the actual pretender suits they have the exact same peg holes as the Titan Masters do. So, uh, on Fortress Maximus or Triptychon that I've reviewed, where they have the peg holes and turn into cities, you can also put these pretender shells on and they can work in with all the, uh, sort of playset features on those. So, uh, getting 13 of these guys together will actually look really good on sort of a diorama display through there. And, yeah, that pretty much... Oh, and it's also in reverse, too. So if you were to get a Titan Master, sort of the Headmaster guys, they could also fit in any of these Pretender shells or collapse up and you could have a head in the back of the gun here as well. So having it being uh, that very modular and swap-aroundable with uh, figures that have come through in the past is very good. But, yeah, that pretty much wraps me up on these weird little guys. So uh, in terms of a rating, I'm going to give them... Uh, kind of varying between them sort of six to seven dollars out of ten the main thing that sort of is the drawback is unfortunately they are ten dollars each you're not getting a hell of a lot of plastic for that ten dollars it is great that they are all individual sculpts but when you are buying a bunch at the same time so i got these three that cost me thirty dollars that's almost the cost of a marvel legend and i'm sort of getting these guys that are about two inches high that all only really have uh swivel arms and a little tiny robot inside that while is a unique sculpt you got to be looking at it under a microscope to tell the difference and apart from that they're the exact same play pattern to them as well so uh it is a little bit mixed on in terms of the money for what you're getting but uh Mm. hopefully when there's a big collection of them uh it does sort of stand out and i'll I'll be glad that i got them all excellent good stuff. I
1: quite enjoyed that. Thanks, for That's right. All right. Very good. Well, we're going to take a short break, and then we're going to come back with our third and final toy of the week.
0: If you like listening to podcasts, there's a good chance that you'd enjoy audiobooks as well. To make it easy for you, our sponsor Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial when you go to audibletrial.com forward slash AFBlues. A book I'd like to recommend is Wool by author Hugh Howey. It's the first book in a trilogy which unfolds the mysterious story of The Silo, a subterranean city extending 144 stories beneath the surface. It's a captivating book that I had to listen to almost in one sitting because I couldn't turn it off. To get your copy of Wool for free and start your 30-day free trial, or find another book to start your Audible journey, just go to audibletrial.com forward slash AFBlues.
1: Well, it's time for our third and final toy of the week, and uh, in uh, uh, his absence, Mr. Scotty is away. Adam is bringing up the rear with the third and final toy of the week, and looking at the toy name, I'm extremely grateful that I had an abbreviated version in the intro. So, uh, Adam, please take it away.
3: Thank you, Ben. So tonight my uh, toy of the week is from Bandai, and it is the Robot Spirits Side Labor Shinohara Heavy Industry AVXO Type 0. Um <laughs> So, robot spirits being the line, side labor telling you that it's a Pat Labor figure, uh, Shinohara Heavy Industry is the fictional manufacturer of, um, police labors in the Pat Labor verse. And so the AVXO Type Zero is the actual type of mech that this is. Now, in the, um, in the Pat Labor verse, this is a, um, a prototype of a new police or police-purpose mech that's been built. Um, it's introduced at a time when all the mechs start going crazy, and my recollection of the movie, which I haven't seen for nearly 20 years, is um, it does not go unaffected itself. In terms of um, the design, so just as a brief brief highlights, um, it's got a few features that seem somewhat crazy at first in terms of the jointing. Um, There's a lot of um, nice features, Um, and I guess other than that, you know, it's a a nice, sleek design that lines up well with the actual design from the movie. Um, If we take it back a step and start talking about the packaging, so the Robot Spirits um, figures all come in a solid cardboard box in terms of there's no cutouts and no display windows, so you just have uh, shots of the mech on all panels uh, the front is kind of a big sexy hook kind of, um, picture. One side has some, some turnarounds showing different poses. Um, and then the rear shows kind of some of the swap out functions and accessories that it comes with. Uh, so that's fine. You open that up and there is a standard kind of figure arts or, or robot spirits tray setup of, um, one tray with a figure with another plastic cover that sits over the top of that. And underneath that, there is another smaller tray with some of the accessories. And then below that, there are the, instru- the, uh, the instructions that tell you how to play with your toy, which um, in this case are very, very necessary. Uh, things I'll say about the, the plastic trays, these ones um, don't have sticky tape. Sometimes you'll get the Bandai figures will have a bit of tape because the, the cover does not necessarily sit perfectly well on top of the, um, the base figure tray. They have foregone this in this case because it snaps together really nicely and really tightly. Uh, it didn't pose a real problem opening the figure itself up, but when you try and open up that smaller accessory tray, you are just dreading the moment when it kind of all explodes out and you have accessories all over the floor and you know you've lost something. Um, fortunately, there aren't too many accessories in there, but it's still a real concern. So the figure itself... Uh, much like all the other, the labors from Shinohara in the series are largely black and white. There's the, um, kind of grey, baggy underwear, stockings kind of look, uh, in all of the joints, which realistically it's kind of, you know, this is a mechanical, um, construct. It has gears and housings and all those kind of things underneath those, um, baggy stock looking stockings. So, it's kind of the protective sheath covering for all of the gear to make sure dirt and grime don't get in there, and along with fingers and other things people like to put inside of such housings and lose when they're operating around heavy machinery. So, it's you know, it perfectly uh, suits the ideal of this and it, it fits in with the design as we see in the show and the manga. Um, in terms of some of the articulation points, there is a ball jointed head, the neck, Below that is articulated with a ball joint. It takes a little bit of effort to get it moving. The shoulders. The shoulders have somewhat of a butterfly system in terms of there's a piece that connects to the torso that appears to be ball jointed. Then there's um, a ball joint connecting the upper bicep. The pauldron piece with the um, kind of police light indicators on top of it, those are separately articulated on top of the shoulder. Triangular system for that. It's probably a ball joint. The bicep, bicep cut has um, a, a two-way system, so it has a rotation uh, at the top of it, so it can rotate it 360 degrees side to side, and then it has a roughly 90 degree um, range of elbow articulation. Wrists are ball jointed, hands are swap out. Uh, the torso has a... Rotation in there, it looks like it's a ball joint for all intents and purposes. Hips are articulated at top and bottom with a simple, I think it's probably not a ball joint, it might just be a peg. Knees um, are only articulated in one place, which is a bit less than some of the figures. Um, the feet, now this is one of the places we start talking about crazy articulation. I should really try and get a photo of this for you guys. Um <laughs> because it is it's quite an interesting system. So coming out of the outside of the calf, there's um a little hinge that comes out with a, a little sprockety sprue looking thing, and on the end of that is a ball joint which plugs into the outside of the ankle. Uh so you can rotate the foot that way. The front toe or and forefoot of yeah, forefoot, um is attached to the ankle item with another ball joint. And just because, as far as I can tell, the heel is attached with a ball joint. And oh, the way yeah. I know this yeah. is because it has a little bit of give and you kind of look at it and going, is it just that it's not fitted, fitted properly across the back of the kind of the shin Achilles fairing? But then if you lift it a little bit, no, there's a ball joint under there. And um, the reason it's kind of odd is not having a ball jointed heel um, in and of itself being particularly odd, it's that the way it's designed, so that the sole of the the boot construct, um, that black piece of plastic has a significant amount of overlap with the white kind of Achilles guard. Um, so you really can't rotate it that much, but nonetheless there's a ball joint there in case you want to. Um, so I found that to be somewhat interesting, somewhat um, possibly overzealous. Um, in terms of articulation, but still cool nonetheless. Uh, I think it's a really interesting design for a foot, and I don't know how you'd go if you tried getting away with that in something other than a mech. Um, But there you go. That's cool and different. Um, The police lights, um, the, the light section is translucent and it's removable. So if you want it to look like it doesn't have that or it's not activated, you can just take it off which is quite cool. It's a little bit worrying when you open it up and find that one of those is not attached um, in the box, but it's not broken, so that's okay. Uh, other features, the head. So the head has um, the the kind of guard over the lower face area, or what would be a face in a, an actual humanoid, uh, rotates down, so there's a, the ability to have a fully opened up head. The top cover is removable and is a swap out so there is um the one that it starts with which is kind of the closed up headpiece there is an open headpiece that sits in the same groove but does not go or cover the whole face it kind of sits up higher and um exposes the rest of the face and that has a red light rather than the clear light the other thing is another place where you start going that's kind of crazy you know how when you do a, a model kit of like a car or something and you have to go and put all this paintwork in and you do all the paintwork following the instructions perfectly and then you find that you glue something over the top of that and can't see the paintwork. A <laughs> yeah. bit like that, <laughs> on the standard default um, head face visory piece, there is, um, so that's in white plastic. There's a kind of, I'm trying to work out if it's actually translucent and I think it might be. It's either translucent or it's the kind of the blue little blue line along the bottom. I think it might be translucent and it has silver paint on the back of it. But then there is silver paint that goes further up uh, inside the helmet that um, is somewhat inexplicable. But sure, why not? So, again, that's another, I'm not sure if that's an intentional design feature or that was just an easy way to paint it, but that's mm. another interesting item. Um, other accessory points. So, obviously, the hands swap out, and we'll talk about that in a bit. Inside the left arm, there is the baton of a, um, a stun stick that you can clip on, clip a shield onto. Now, the instructions inform me that that is removable. I do not seem to have any real give in mind, and I am sure as hell not going to go trying to pull that apart and break the arm. Um, that idea fills me with dread, so I'll be leaving that there. <clears throat> it is intended to be removable, though, as according to instructions. Uh, <laughs> The crotch piece is extreme, Crotch piece area is extremely long. I have a feeling in the movie that's <laughs> hey, <probably> hey, hey. <laughs> look, if this was to scale, that's what, a centimetre or two? Um, scale that up from a five-inch toy to, what is it, about an eight-metre-odd-tall mech. Um, that, that's a fairly long crotch a PC area. Um, <laughs> I think that's actually meant to be a winch, but I'm not really sure. Um, I haven't seen the movie again, as I say, for nine on twenty years. Um, so that's that's kind of longish. Um, it does have the the hips that um, can hyperextend a little bit, the same as we've had in previous paddleable figures, and we having some of the figure arts figures where it kind of has just that little bit of give built into the torso, so it can extend out and give you a better pose, which I quite like. Um, and the other one that's somewhat interesting is what is referred to uh, in the literature as a gimmick um, arm extension. So I'm just trying to see if there are shots of this that in the, um, the ones that I've shown you guys. And I don't think that there are. Uh, okay, there's shots in the full accessory set. So these look like uh, kind of a wiring bundle. And essentially what it is, is you can remove the arm at the elbow. Um, sorry, at the wrist. So you take the hand off, you plug the, um, the arm extension into the wrist area, take the hand off. If there's a little, a little plug that the hand normally sits on, um, you take that out and then you plug your hand directly onto this extension. So essentially that's showing, you know, you have the, the, Ability with one of these mechs to extend, hyperextend the arm or the wrist to reach narrow places or, you know, extra strangulate someone or whatever else it is that you're, you're aiming to do with your law enforcement <laughs> device. Um, so that's a kind of cool little add-on as well. The other things that you get in the box, so just to be clear, the hands, a, it comes equipped with kind of opened up palms, fingers are kind of a bit spread. There are gun-slash-stun-button-gripping hands uh, for both left and right. There are grappling hands left and right. And there are karate chop hands for left and right. Uh, so you've got a small range of hands there. I don't think we're really missing anything, and I'm quite okay with that. comes with uh, four other mechs in actuality. So the little spider-crab-looking things that um, you'll see in the photos, those are bell 1999 helitas so in the movie these are little guard attack mechs um, that are used to, to guard a building um, and they basically just run around and fight whatever comes near them so mistakes that you could make with those is assuming that the legs are articulated and snapping them off um, i i think there's a bit of give um, but they're really, really tight and I would not suggest trying to rotate them around a lot. Um, I've got one where I started twisting it and then noticed that the plastic was starting to go a little bit white and quickly stopped saying, Oh, that's stress. Let's not do that. Um, so that's a, a caution for listeners. Uh, there is a Tamashi stage. I think it's an, it'd be an act four or act five. Uh, probably Act 5, really, um, connector. So you can use that at the back of the figure to uh, allow you to put your your figure on a stand. So you want it to put in a pose that it can't hold, or you want to make it jumping or flying or whatever else. That's an option. There is a connector piece that you attach to the wrist um, where the stun button is, and then connect to a shield. So it comes with a nice big Shinohara X-Zero shield. Um, there is the stun button in extended and unextended formats. There is the revolver cannon. So it's essentially a, looks like a revolver gun. Um, but then scale that up to mech size and it's quite a bit more considerable. And there is one of the devices that I don't know why they don't pack in with every figure that has swap out hands or a removable head. Um, it's a nifty little device. I think I've only seen it so far in a couple of the Paddle of Ball figures. Uh, and that is, it's a little, dark plastic plank with a notch taken out of it and the point of that notch is you fit it around a hand joint um, so that when you are trying to fit a hand back onto the, the joint at the wrist you don't have to worry about things like uh, I go to fit it in and the ball joint turns or I go to fit it in and the ball joint turns and I snap a finger um, or I just or I snap the joint so it's a really useful concept, and I don't know why we don't have it on more figures that have swap-outs and that are a little bit touchy in terms of it's difficult to get the hand back on the joint. Um, I think it's a really, really good innovation. So that's kind of a, a bit of a wrap-up of the various features of this figure. In terms of paint, there's not really a lot. Um, it's interesting that Ben was saying about the Iron Man and the panels and the washers and everything else. The way that this figure tends to achieve it so there's typically um where white panel meets white panel it's actually been done as separate pieces and then attached and they're not they're not perfectly flush um in most cases which actually doesn't make it look cheap or anything like that it actually just gives kind of that third of a millimeter kind of separation so you can see that it's a panel and you don't need to put paint on it um which is probably a bit cheaper And I think it actually looks a bit more like you would actually have in a machine. So there is just that slight gap between things. Um, of course, if you scale that out to, you know, a mech size that fraction of a millimeter is probably like half a centimeter or something. Um, and that actually in reality is, you know, that's about the gap that you have on panels on your car. So that, that's a, a good little solution that they've got there, I think. Um, Otherwise, yeah, not much in the way of paints. You know, there's the front little crotch indicator-y looking bit. There's indicators at the rear. Um, the ones at the front, I think, are painted a little bit better than the ones at the rear on mine. There's not really any slop or rub, but some of the orange is just not so great because it's orange painted on top of black. Uh, the head, I'm just looking at the fins on the head and the grey tips on the antenna looking fins they are painted and there's a little bit of imperfection there, um, in terms of paint not going all the way out. There is, that's not slot. That's okay. Uh, yeah. So paints are fine. Um, very minimal, but that's kind of as per requirements. Um, and the other thing is I know the, one of the earlier Ingrams had uh, decals to help you kind of customize it. There are no such things on this, and I assume that that's largely because you're talking about a, a once-off prototype uh, mech, and therefore there's no real need to customise it based on appearance in the movie. Uh, yeah, so that's a, a wrap-up of the figure generally. Um, I don't know that I discussed price, but for those that are interested, this is currently going for about 75 US US um, from most interspaper speakers. <laughs> from most international retailers, um, so that's that's price for you. Um, yeah, I think, you know, if you've got uh, another of the Ingrams sitting around and you want something that looks a little bit sleeker, you know, compare a, a 1996 Corolla to a 1990 Corolla. <laughs> um, as, as I like to make the comparison, I think you will find this is a, a good bit of an evolutionary step that you could show alongside the two.
1: <laughs> Working um, <in> air conditioning. <laughs>
3: Yeah, correct. (laughs) You know, that, that 96 model was, uh, the one that was rally bred through the likes of Didier Oriol and, uh, (laughs) Carlos Sainz driving it around in, in world rally championships. Whereas the 1990 was, you know, the thing that just looked like a box on wheels. (laughs) Um, and maybe had a working air conditioner if you were lucky. No, I probably Mm. did. It was a Toyota. It worked. (laughs) Um, yeah. So, you know, I think this is a, a really good figure. Um, I think the price point is a bit high, but there's probably a, a fair amount of tooling that's a bit specific. Um, I think this is probably deserving of – I'd say it's probably deserving about an 8 or 9 out of 10. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Very
1: good. Cool. Excellent. All right. Some great variation uh, this episode.
0: All right. Well, thanks, Adam. We're going to take a short break now, and we're going to come back and wrap things up. If your collecting addiction is a hard itch to scratch, then you might lack a bit of insurance that you always have some new goodies on the horizon. Loot Crate is the world's favorite subscription box service, and they're currently offering AFB listeners 10% off any of their flexible subscription plans. Every Loot Crate includes exclusive apparel and collectible items built around a theme, and there are so many theme crates to choose from whether you're into a more general pop culture or gaming theme, or you have a more specific interest. To save 10% on any new subscription, go to trylootcrate.com forward slash afblues and enter the promo code Breach10. If you do sign up and you love your loot, be sure to go to the AFB Facebook page and post a pic of your new gear. That's trylootcrate.com forward slash afblues with the promo code Breach10.
1: Well, before we finish off, we like to hear from you. So if you have any questions, comments or suggestions on future episodes, you can email us at podcast at actionfigureblues.com and you may just hear it read out and uh, eddie you've got a community service announcement on behalf of the afb team
2: yeah just a bit of the state of the union which you guys probably might have noticed already we unfortunately uh did break the trend recently of getting an episode out to you each week uh so uh, on behalf of the AFB team, I do apologize uh, for that. <laughs> you are entitled for any of the money back that you spent uh, on any of that. No, I'm just kidding on that one. Old podcaster joke. Uh, there but uh, we have actually been recording each week we are not going anywhere nothing has changed at all in our plan to deliver episodes to you Uh, and you might have noticed in fact we will be rolling these ones out pretty much uh, back to back I'll assume so by the time you're reaching this episode and uh, I'm informing you here you'll have had a bunch to catch up on quickly so also potentially if you are hearing this episode you might have missed some of the ones that came out recently uh, so do double back check in your subscriber feed uh, to make sure that uh, if it's been sort of two days and we've uh, chucked some episodes up back to back that uh, one might not have downloaded for you when you did the update uh, and I don't think we've officially set it on the podcast yet but we are also now on Spotify, so you should be able to find us a lot more easy on that app as well if that's your preferred app uh, of use but uh, do not worry do not fret Uh, we are still here and we are still (laughs) recording which uh, even then I think it's only been a couple of weeks and there's a lot of podcasts that I know and love that will disappear for months at a time uh, before coming back and uh, I haven't heard anything this isn't based off any negative feedback or anything like that uh, but I know I'm one of those people that uh, if a regularly scheduled podcast misses a beat, I'm always a bit like, oh, that sort of wrecks <laughs> out what I do on a Monday or uh, here, there. That's always this podcast day. So uh, any uh, apologies to any inconvenience caused, but yes, we are here.
1: Yes, we are. Indeed. Indeed. Mm. Well, we are right now, but we won't be shortly because it is time to say goodbye. It is. all right. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Good See you journey. next time.
0: Cheers. The Action Figure Blues podcast can be found on iTunes and Stitcher Radio and can be downloaded direct from actionfigureblues.com. Wherever you listen, please take a moment to leave a positive rating and review to help others find our show. Our theme music is by Robert Crandall. Our ad music is by Scott Holmes. The AFB logo is created by Nate Stones. We also have an active fan forum at afbforum.com where you can join with all the hosts of the podcast and many other collectors to discuss news, reviews, old lines and trade and sell in a safe community. Please join us there. While you're at actionfigureblues.com please check out our sponsors like Mark's Comics and Stuff, Blue Crate, Audible and Gamefly. You can find us on Twitter at AFBlues, on Instagram at ActionFigureBlues and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash ActionFigureBlues. Thanks for listening.
1: You're listening to the Action Figure Blues podcast, episode number three hundred and ten for the week. Oh, I've got
2: no idea. (laughs) I I just saw it when you started, and I was like, "Is he going to be able to do this?" Jeez.
1: And of course, you know, we record almost always on a Wednesday, so you you know, you think it wouldn't be that hard.